This hour of programming on KDRT is underwritten by the Davis Food Co-op. A full-line grocer where over 9,000 owners support local farms and our local food system. Everyone can shop, anyone can join. Open daily from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. at 6th and G Streets. Information at davisfood.coop. following program is from the KDRT archives. Well, all right, you're listening to The Grapevine here on KDRT, Davis Community Radio at 95.7, low-power FM on your radio dial, or kdrt.org on the Internet, coming at you all around the world. And don't forget the social media power of Facebook and Twitter. KDRT has got them coming and going. We even use that uh, today to post a little thing about a special show I'm going to talk about in just a second here. Hey, my name is Rod, and I'll be your host to spin some cool sounds right here at KDIRT, Yolo County's finest, where those grassroots grow. Well, in each edition of The Grapevine, we usually uh, play some classic R&B, some soul, uh, some blues now and then. I always try to pull in something that will kind of stir the spirit of life a little bit, and that's what I got going for this edition of The Grapevine. And what I'd like to do is welcome, after uh, trying to line this up for a while, the one and only... Peter Pastor. Whoa. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on, and I love your opening selection. <laughs> well, we kind of had to do that. I know that Peter's a big fan of Herb Albert, and uh, we're uh, going to play some more Herb Albert later on, but something that I've never heard before that he says is part of his musical soul. So that's kind of where we're going to be heading. All right. Well, you know, uh, Peter, everybody has an interesting path in life, and uh, some more than others, right? Absolutely. And one thing that I wanted to make sure we could get in right off the bat, where did your path begin? Enschede in the Netherlands, a little town called Enschede in the Netherlands, about uh, three miles from the German border. Okay. And uh, uh, what year? In 1945, I was born uh, after the war in, in Europe had ended, but before the war in, uh, in, in, with Japan had ended. And uh, yes, uh, so I, you just you rolled over the old seventy-year mark last year, right? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. pushing seventy-one. <laughs> I have to admit, it was one of the best uh, parties I'd been to in 2015. Peter and his wife hosted a wonderful party on top of the roof of the Natsulis Gallery. It was yes, <laughs> had some great bands, a yeah, wonderful night, nice cold beer, and, and lots of smiles and laughs. Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the Netherlands is across the pond, uh, right. as some like to say. I've kind of always wondered, how did you end up here on the West Coast? Uh, well, you know, you mentioned I was 70, and uh, I actually came over on a boat, and I was seven years old, 
and I can remember seeing the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, my parents brought us out to the deck to, to watch that as we came in. So I'm that old. Wow. <laughs> you know, not many people that are your age have had that. That was like an Ellis Island, you know, like back in the, uh, you know, turn of the 20th century. Right. Ellis Island had closed already. Yeah. We didn't go through Ellis Island, but uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty... Uh, I think they just finished erecting it. Okay. No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> but well, my parents neat. left Holland because uh, the war in Korea was, was going on. They had just finished going through World War II. And, uh, it, it, it had it with war, right? It had it with yeah. war and an opportunity. Actually, the Dutch government paid families to leave substantial amounts of money to leave Holland because housing was such a shortage because so much of it was bombed. Yeah. No, Europe had a great rebuilding thing. A lot of people don't really understand living in America, but they were wiped out, you know. Right, right. What were the, what were the name of your folks? Uh, Peter and Ada. So you're a junior. I'm, I'm uh, a junior, yes. Okay, cool. Well, one thing I wanted to do, because uh, I guess i got to set this up a little bit. Um, outside of KDRT, whenever I see you yes. out in uh, our town, our, our Fairburg here, right. you're always accompanied by a woman named Jean. Uh, yeah, she does sort of <laughs> hang around me, doesn't she? Jeannie, yeah. So I want to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about how you met and uh, how you came to Davis and what's going on. Have you me. heard this story before? Because no. I don't even know if I can say it on the air. Well, it's up to you. I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you censor I yourself. Uh, I was working in Cincinnati. I was maybe 24, 25. Uh, I had to go to a conference in uh, Cleveland and uh, Jeannie, with her work, had to go to the same conference. And both, I knew her boss, so I sort of knew there was a Jeannie. I think I fell in love with her right away because I invited her out into town. And we, uh, we bought some stuff on the street that you light and smoke a little bit. Now, and this I, is in Cincinnati? No, this is in Cleveland. Cleveland, now. oh yeah. <laughs> and my hair was long, yeah. and I had blue-bottom jeans on, and Jeannie had already sewn... Uh, uh, guitar straps down the side so I'd look really cool. Yeah. So we bought some flowers and we sat on a corner in, in Cleveland somewhere and we handed out flowers to men in business suits and said peace. <laughs> and that's how I fell in love with my wife, Jeannie. <laughs> now what year, what year was that? Uh, that would be 69, 70, something like that. We were married. It would have been 70 because uh, we met in April and we were married in November. Wow. That's, you know, that's, that's a really beautiful story because a lot of folks who are married in the late 60s aren't still married. Yeah, you know, that's for true. Reason other. So that's, that's a testament to a real love for you guys. A lot of folks married in the late 90s aren't still married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I asked your, you know, a matter of fact, at your 70th birthday party because, you know, every time I've seen you, you're casually dressed. Right. And I said, I said to your wife, I said, I bet you he looks pretty good in a suit. And she goes, oh, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I bought my first suit la uh, a few weeks ago in like 20 years. I needed one. Well, there you go. So someday I'd like to see you in a full suit. <laughs> I about fell over the day. Derek Service one time pulled up in a suit. I don't know if you ever saw him. Yes, oh I've gosh. seen him in a suit. Yeah, and he I, dresses up pretty well. I, I agree. So I, I think you would as well. Uh, let's say that I'm hanging out with you and a group of your dearest friends. Yes. I'm sure you have a long lineage of some great friends in your life. Yes. In your 70 years. And uh, we're just hanging out and having a good time. What's your nickname with your friends? Uh, well, right now it's just Peter. But uh, 
in Cincinnati, most of my friends called me Rootsap. Rootsap. Yes. Now, and now so when that. I go back to Cincinnati, people will, hey, Rootsap, how's it going? And it's on my license plate now. If you see my I've card, it says yeah. Rootsap. So what are the roots of Rootsap then? Uh, you haven't figured it out, have you? It's Pasteur backwards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold it in the mirror next yeah, time. Take yeah, a look. hold it in the mirror. So, yes, uh, and uh, I don't know how it started, but uh, that's how it, that's that's how it is. That is really cool. All right, Root Sap. So that's a pretty damn good nickname. Right on. Um, well, you, I'm going to go back a little, rewind some, because you and I had a really brief conversation one time. I think it was like two minutes, but it really piqued my interest. Right. And uh, this has to do with, I guess, the occupational part of your life. Right. Um, what was the very first job that you ever had? As I, a young Dutch lad. As a young Dutch lad, uh, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking now uh, right before my 20s. I started working for what they called back then the Council for Retarded Children. Wow. Which today would be a, a word you don't use. But sure. uh, I worked, I was the assistant manager, then became manager of uh, a workshop where uh, specially challenged Okay. Children at that point, or young adults, right. went to uh, to do some work. And, oh, what a trip! Uh, I, I would have had you peg for something else for your first job, but you, no, okay. no. Wow. And then, and that's how I met Jeannie because she was working for a similar group, only for cerebral palsy people, and we both went to that same conference for working hmm. workshops. Fantastic, man! That's that is that's a good story. And then after I met Jeannie, her father worked in the machine tool industry, and he looked at me and he said. You know, you're not going to support my wife on this. So he got me a job in uh, in a machine tool company in Cincinnati. And okay, now we're getting somewhere because this might have a connection to what you told me one time. Because right. you said that you'd spent quite a bit of time in China. A lot of time in China. Yeah, and not many folks, you know, have have done a lot of work in China that I'm familiar with, at least on, on the West Coast here. So I want you to, to elaborate on that a little bit. I uh, I started working at this company. I uh, was a sales project engineer for a while and sort of worked my way up the ladder. Finally became a salesperson for uh, international sales and ended up being marketing manager for the uh, Far East, which included China. My first trip to China was in the early 80s, right after Nixon and Kissinger had gone there. So when I walked pivotal around. Pivotal time. Pivotal yeah, time. Yeah. And you couldn't really fly around China. You had to take the train everywhere. So wherever I went, uh, kids would follow me. You know, it was a tall white man. Sure. I hadn't seen that yet. <laughs> uh, in a 10-year period, I looked at my passport when I left there. I looked at my passport. In a 10-year period, I made 80 trips to the Far East. Wow. From Cincinnati. So four weeks there. From four, Cincinnati. Wow. Four weeks home, four weeks there. You know, it's interesting, but uh, about everything you can see, you know, these days is like made in China, you know, and that's right. Like, but a lot of things like the foundries and everything that polluted the rivers and lakes of the mid, upper Midwest and stuff, all that stuff is made in China now. Right. And, you know, I look at these, uh, you know, things about their pollution levels and stuff, I go, well, yeah. that's probably how it happened. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, what? So, 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 but there's a story there too. I mean, I spent a lot of time there, and then one summer, the whole family went. And we lived in Beijing, and in these Chinese hotels because these new modern ones weren't there yet. And one day, I got home, and uh, Jeannie says the manager wants to see you, and I go, "Oh, geez, okay." So he says, and "She's well, there with you in China." You're right, and okay. the kids. All right. And uh, he says, "Well, uh, we had a little issue. It was raining a little bit today. Yeah, and you had laundry. Yeah, well." They hung the laundry up to dry. 
and uh, they said we couldn't dry it. So normally what we do is we heat rocks and put them under. You know, we light a fire under the laundry line. Well, my pants were a little longer than the Chinese pants, and they caught on fire. (laughs) Shorts. (laughs) Oh, that's classic. Just there's a lot of stories like that. Just well, you know, China now is incredibly advanced, but I mean, there was such a disparate contrast in in culture between those two places in the early 80s and wonderful people yeah yeah wonderful people wow that's real so that was like your bulk of your corporate work then that was the bulk of it got tired of it my brother had a uh, sales rep business going out here and i will be eternally grateful for him bringing me out to be a partner with him uh, being an independent rep and he sold stuff in southern california and i sold it in northern representing seven eight different companies until about a year and a half ago it's all about it until about a year and a half ago. and you right? took your shingle down took my shingle and, down and started chasing some dreams yep <laughs> all right folks well you're tuned in to kdrt and this is the grapevine i'm your host my name is rod I've got a special guest in tonight that I've always been interested in talking to some more. But usually when we do that, we're in a big group. We never get a good conversation. So that's why Peter Pasteur is here tonight. And I want to kind of go over his illustrious life and times. So that was some of the bio stuff. But I do want to remind you listeners out there that we're right smack dab in the middle of our annual fundraiser for 2016. And, uh, you know, you got to listen local and give local. And please show your support for KDIRT. Community Radio during the Davis Media Access Annual Fund Drive. Your tax-deductible donation keeps catered on the air with unique local programming and, and fun stuff like this, including music and public affairs. You can donate online at kdrt.org support or mail your contribution to Davis Media Access, 1623 5th Street, Suite A in Davis, California, 95616. And always thanks for supporting our community meals and needs here there you go absolutely meals for the mind all right well we're uh, gonna shift gears a little bit here with peter uh-huh. and this is the part that i kind of enticed him with because he hosts a music show so do i and uh i wanted to try to get a little idea about his musical soul we're gonna get to that in a minute okay so then you host a program on cater called listening lyrics right and for how many years now have you been doing three and that? a half three and a half right okay how'd you come up with the title uh, I I was invited to to uh, come on as a radio host, and my thought was back then I was into poetry, and my thought was what do artists listen to while they're especially poets while they're okay. creating. I thought that would be a good show. That lasted about a week and a half. And I realized that. <laughs> I read about that when it was coming around. Right. It just, it just, uh, it, it wasn't going to work. And so it slowly morphed into musical acts. And, uh, you know, whether it's groups, uh, many different genres, they know, now come on a show called Listening Lyrics, even though the name doesn't really. It's it's sort of like uh, Southwest Airlines. I'm sure when that airline started, he wishes today that he didn't pick that name Southwest because it's certainly not just the Southwest yeah, anymore. Point. Same with me. Okay. So how did you find your way to KDRT? Uh, I was at Harlow's listening to music, and uh, a band from Portland was there. And uh, uh, we were moved into this section, and I sat next to this young young lady. Uh, her name happens to be Jessica Kelly. Uh, 
And uh, Jess and I were talking, and a couple of the owners of different live events here, one of them being uh, uh, Sophia's, came up to me and said, Hi, Peter. And she said, Oh, you seem to know all these people. And yeah, 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 you know, we, I come and listen. She says, You need to talk to Doug. And that's how it started. Ah, Doug Kelly. There you go. Doug Kelly. <laughs> You know, I've, I've listened to a few of your broadcasts. Even uh-huh. though uh, you're, you're on at a time I'm typically at work, I listen to it on the archives. You've had a wide variety of people that came in, has come in, and uh, have done a lot to promote the local live scene, quite uh-huh. a bit. Out of all the broadcasts you've done, uh, do you have any that were extraordinarily meaningful to you, that really struck a chord in who you are? Um, you know, I, I can't say one particular, but I can say this. Um Generally speaking, when I have someone in the studio that is somewhat renowned nationally, okay, mm-hmm. like a Dirk Hamilton, you okay. know, he has a following, someone that is established, generally speaking, when you're talking with these people, before you even finish the question, they have a pat answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. You know, they just they yeah. just spit it out because they've been asked. That. I don't care what question you come up with. They've yeah. done this a thousand times. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the local people. They bear their soul telling you things and because it's their first time, so they're just racking their brain, and they're saying what, what comes from inside, and it happens almost every show. Just one question, and I tell people, you just made this show by that one question. So it's not just one show. It's many shows, and it's usually the, the local or unknown artists. So both you and your guest and any listeners out here to listen to KDRT – Cruise along, and they get to hear that moment with you on your show, listening. Lyrics. Right, right, right. And, so, and and it's good because we give them a whole hour. You know, if if they go on commercial radio, they've got ten minutes to promote, or most, five minutes yeah. to promote their show. No, I want to hear about them. Good. Um, so that's looking at what we've done in the past. Do you have any guests that you really desire to have on from our community that you haven't yet? Uh, not well. <laughs> you know the the nickel slots. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, I I would love to have them on, and and I I've I think I've approached them a couple of times, but they're busy. Uh, I would love to have them on, but my number one dream, and I just missed him two weeks ago because I was in Portland, is some guy that we're going to play a record of. Is one of my heroes is Jesse Harris. Uh huh. So uh, <laughs> I'd love to have him on. Well, that's one of the things that uh, our core of live uh, music. Uh, hosts are doing is they really kind of scour tour schedules of different people right. and the kind of folks that you pull in and uh, Doug has pulled in before people are coming through the area you guys are snagging them with regularity and it sounds nice and it also helps let them know that we've got a cool scene going on here right too. right yeah. uh, I'll give you another example I had Boca de Rio in here Kevin Welsh yeah and I I try to ask Kevin what because when Kevin stands up and sings he's got that Brazilian there's this mojo going on, this like sensual thing that these Brazilian men and women use when they're singing. And I said, what is that? Is it in your blood? And, and he looked at me and he said, Pete, I'm German. I was born in Germany. <laughs> that was just like, my God, you know. <laughs> the things you learn. When the you things you learn. All you need to do is ask. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I asked Peter uh, to come up with a handful of music that would uh, – 
give KDRT listeners a window into his musical soul. And we're gonna we're gonna flesh that out in the rest of this broadcast pretty okay. well. But we've decided to uh, well, Peter decided to uh, select uh, the first bit of music that we're gonna play after our opener. And I'd like you to t- tell the listeners of the grapevine a little bit about our first choice here. Right. So the, the f- title of the tune. First choice is called Mid- uh, from the album Midnight Sun, Herb Alpert. And I think this goes back 20, 25 years. When I say Herb Alpert to people, they think the Tijuana Brass. Well, you know, that's like 40 years ago now. That's all over. Herb Alpert was uh, very much in tune with the jazz scene. As a matter of fact, he lived in between Miles Davis and Stan Getz. When Stan Getz was ill and trying to figure out how to finish up the rest of his life, Herb Alpert found him a house near where he was and put him up and and tried to get him in the studio because uh, Stan Getz just would not do it. He would not want to go back in the studio. And he finally got him back into his home studio, and he created the sound, the song that uh, you're going to hear called Friends, and it's Herb Alpert on the trumpet and Stan doing his thing on the saxophone. All right. Well, let's hear that on KDRT in the Grapevine. This is Peter's Pick.
So what you're hearing here are two friends, maybe just crank Herbie up a little bit there, uh, are two friends talking and saying goodbye to each other musically. One with a sax right now and the other with a trumpet. This wasn't. This was recorded not too long before Stan gets passed. And obviously they both knew it in the studio. So, you know, my uncle in, in Holland, whenever he took me to a museum, he would sit in front of certain paintings and cry. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the songs that can do it to me. And it has to be heard at nighttime, preferably, and with a soft breeze. And a little glass. Glass of scotch Sox. or something. Yep. There you go. Yep. So there's number one. Well, that was a wonderful choice, Peter Pasteur. Thank you. To look at a little window into your musical soul. Herb Alpert and Stan Getz. And that was the album uh, Midnight Sun, the song called Friends. Yep. Right on. Well, you know, I'm going to read some words to you. Okay. That have to do with jazz. Oh, and I boy. And I want you to tell me where you may have heard them before. You ready? The language of jazz is willing within. Can't be translated. Such a sensational sin. You taste the feel. You tap your glass. You say, oh, yeah. Hit the rim of your hat when they swing B-flat. Where have you heard those words before? I, I think I might have heard that before. <laughs> You wrote them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just, uh, it's been so long, but when you hit the rim of your hat, so you, I was, son of a gun, I'm trying to tell him something here. Where did you find this? Well, Peter, I did a little background research on my guest tonight, and I found that Peter has been written poetry before. Right. And uh, I went on a website today. Uh, Via the root sap scene. Right. And he had a lot of different great topics for some of his poetry. Then. Right. I think this one dates back to about uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, there's a much more to that, by the way. And it's called Jazz, and it's a wonderful piece of uh, words. <laughs> I thought it might fit in well with that song with Herb Alpert and Stan oh, Guess. So. Oh, God. And I, had to, I knew I knew it. But the imagery on this is incredible. Because if, if you've been in a jazz club before, your lights are down a little bit, you know, you're out with some friends, you're listening to music, and the drummer's got the brushes out, just everything just in that pocket, that right, groove. Right. And to me, the words that you wrote here kind of fit that quite a bit. So yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. you yeah. nailed it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, Peter, um, music has been a true therapy for me throughout my life. Um, those that listen to this show uh, know that very well. I can come in this room for, if only an hour, I walk out and things are a lot better than were when I came in. Um, to this very day, I can still picture everything about the scene in my parents' living room uh, when I experienced the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, that experience really lit the fuse for me. What music experience lit your musical fuse? Okay, so I'm going to answer that, but I will say that music, music is one of the art. Not just music, but art is one of the few things you can do in life where you live in the moment. Okay, when you're creating, when you're yeah, creating. Yeah. Other than that, when you're driving, you're you're whatever else. You're either thinking about the past or thinking about the future. When you're doing art, when you're or listening to art, or which in this case is music, you're in the present moment only. And a lot of people use music as background noise, and that is. To me, it's almost sinful. You know, you sit and <laughs> I'm listen. I'm with you. I know what you mean. So you know what I mean. Yeah. So what really opened my eyes was my father passed 
very young in my life. He uh, passed when he was 54, so 50-some years ago now. You have and, a poem about that, too, as well, I read. Yes, It's, it's a nice one, too. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, my mother received a little bit of insurance money, and it was just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I convinced her to buy one of these old stereo consoles back in the 60s, you know? Wood with the fabric paneling and stuff? On the front, yeah. and then the turntable turn yeah. on the top. They sounded beautiful, too. And Those, I yeah. got, I, I, I purchased a Four Tops album, Reach Out. Mm, yeah. And I put that on. And I laid on the back of the uh, on on the on the floor, on my back with my ears between the speakers, and I was blown away by the uh, stereo in it, and yeah. it just opened my eyes to everything. It's just like from there on out, I wanted to buy music. <laughs> Excellent. And and I've always enjoyed Motown since. Yeah, uh, one of the best. Yeah, no kidding. So talk about some other music that just stopped time for you. And um, and why don't we get into a little bit more of your, your musical soul that okay. we got going here. Uh, so if we're going into the past, uh, one another thing that I, I was uh, a member of the uh, SDS. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. Uh, Students for a Democratic Society during the Vietnam sure, War. Sure. That was a big yeah. deal, especially in college. I was at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and we were protesting uh, not only the war, but policemen carrying guns on campus. And I was arrested and put in jail and all of this for my activities with them. But then all of a sudden, a guy on the radio came on that I'd never heard heard of him before, and that was Phil Oaks. And he expressed in music how I felt. And that was another just huge opening door for me because from there, you know, you had Bob Dylan and all these other people that came out and said stuff, the fish, that said stuff, you know, about how you felt, how wrong things were. And uh, that was another huge breakthrough for me. And and, uh, if we have time, we're going to play a little bit of Phil Oaks later on in the show. Well, we have him queued up right now, so let's go ahead and do that. What's the song that you selected? The the song I selected is is one that's kind of not a a complete representation of who he is. He's he's probably just uh, usually him and his guitar. This time he's got a piano in there. But listen to the words, and you'll know what I, I think. It's called Small Circle of Friends. There we go. All right, our, my guest DJ is going to reset uh, the actual band to the correct song. Try it now. I think we got it now, guys. Oh, look outside the window. There's a woman being grabbed. They've dragged her to the bushes, and now she's being stabbed. Maybe we should call the cops and try to stop the pain. But Monopoly is so much fun, I'd hate to blow the game. And I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. Riding down. 
down the highway, yes, my back is getting stiff. Thirteen cars are piled up there, hanging on a cliff. Now maybe we should pull them back with our towing chain. But we gotta move and we might get soon and it looks like it's gonna rain. And I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. Sweating in the ghetto with the colored and the poor. The rats have joined the babies who are sleeping on the floor. Now wouldn't it be a riot if they really blew their tops? But they got too much already and besides we've got the cops. And I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. There's a dirty paper using sex to make her sense. The Supreme Court was so upset they sent him off to jail. Maybe we should help the fiend and take away his fine. But we're busy reading Playboy and the Sunday New York Times, and I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. Smoking marijuana is more fun than drinking beer. But a friend of ours was captured and they gave him 30 years. Maybe we should raise our voices, ask somebody why. But demonstrations are a drag, besides we're much too high. And I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. But Monopoly is so much fun, I'd hate to blow the game. And I'm sure it wouldn't interest anybody outside of a small circle of friends. It's good to be sitting here with someone that can understand the fun in this. We were both <laughs> chuckling away through the whole song, even though we've heard it before. Circle of Friends by Phil Oaks. Yeah. Yes, indeed. You know, Peter, it's, I, another thing I've learned uh, over the course of this uh, broadcast thus far is uh, some of your roots. You, know, you talked about Jeannie and you meeting and uh, you having a pair of long bell-bottom jeans with guitar straps sewn right, on and right. uh, things that you experienced in the late 60s and whatnot. Um, you know, right now, one of the things I have a little difficulty with with our modern, I guess, society or culture is that there's so much information available right now. And it's good. And it's accessible. 
but it almost doesn't give people enough time to take pause and talk about some of the things in life. Mm-hmm. And when you got to the end of the 60s or so, uh, you'd follow things like the assassinations of your president, uh, his brother, uh, you know, uh, really good folks like Martin Luther King that really could have made a big difference in the mm-hmm. world for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the way the information was obtained was pretty simple. You know, television was really coming into its own right around then. And after that, it was printed matter and the radio, right? Not much else than that. So the other way that ideas were shared and changed were words on the street and campuses and whatnot. And you lived through that. Yeah. Yeah, and part part of the difference, too, is back then a lot of the media— and newspapers printed what, in this case, the government wanted you to hear. And it was difficult to find uh, the opposing view. I mean, really difficult. Today, you just go online. You can, you can sure. you know, it's just there. Uh, back then, that wasn't the case. Uh, I, uh, I became a citizen back then. You know, I was born in Holland. And then when I became an, an adult, I had to decide and uh, so, so what, I, what age were you when you went through the citizenship process? I was about 23 or so, 24. Okay. And uh, uh, the first thing uh, the president at the time did, Nixon and Agnew, after I was jailed because I was with the SDS, right. uh, they uh, filed a lawsuit so that I, I was supposed to have been deported because I, they said I lied that I wasn't a part of any communist organization, which they thought the SDS was. My, and this was right after we got married. So my poor father-in-law, one of the first things he had to do was pay for this high-end lawyer to get me out of this. And <laughs> My son-in-law. <laughs> my son-in-law, right. And, but they got me out of it. And, uh, and ever since then, I've had a huge distrust of the government. And that's, that's what happens when the government does this to people, right? You start distrusting. Well, yeah, a lot of distrust was cultivated in that, that time for right, a lot of reasons. right. Um, did you go to college or university while you're no, here? No, no. I, uh, I, I, I did. I went to college. Yeah. I went. <coughs> excuse me. To the University of Cincinnati for maybe a quarter or two. To uh, uh, Ohio University in Athens for a quarter or two. I just wasn't cut out to be a college material. Yeah. I never graduated. Uh, I was cut out to be in sales. Well, a lot of the social stuff that was going down that you've been speaking about was, you know, was spread pretty clean and clear through college campuses. So, well, yeah. and and people don't understand today. Like I can vividly remember that a lot of the students, not just the organization I was with at that time, but a lot of the students surrounded the uh, the dean's house, the uh, chancellor's house back at Ohio University, and were throwing stones and sticks yeah, they don't like through that. the windows, and, <laughs> but with this guy's yeah. family in there. Yeah, that's not you cool. Know, no, it's not cool, <laughs> no. but that's, that's the amount of tension and yeah. distrust there was. Hey, you know, if, if you want to really have see a good documentary sometime, see Berkeley in the 60s, yeah. wonderful documentary. And people forget that when Reagan was the governor here, he actually brought helicopters onto Sproul Plaza to disperse the crowd, and they they carpeted the crowd with tear gas. Yeah, you know, and they ran down to People's Park after that, and they didn't want free speech. And it, no, you know, um, I read somewhere that you were in Toronto. Yes, yes, that's okay. right. We we immigrated to the the boat landed at at Atlas Island or New York. Uh, there's a quota system to get into the U.S. at that time, what, what, much like there is today. Okay, okay. So the, the normal thing for people to do was sit in Canada and do something and wait. A lot of them stayed in Canada. 
and some moved, uh, and then when they could, they moved down here. So that's how it happened. So we went from Toronto to uh, Cincinnati. So you were in, in Canada, and that when you from fifty three to sixty three. Okay, so in earlier in your life, then yes, okay, early, right. early. Well, Toronto's a pretty hip city, and that's cosmopolitan all the way. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. great town. All right. Well, you know, uh, next I think what I'd like to talk about uh, is I'd like to regale the KDRT listeners with the background of a new and colorful addition to your life, your tattoo, because it has a root in your family. (laughs) You know, and there's a brand new story to this, too. I want to hear it. So, uh, oops. (laughs) And there's one, you know, people say you'll, you'll regret it. Well, I do regret that the tattoo is placed so high up my arm because when my sleeve is down, you can't see it. I was hoping they they put it down a little so at least there's a little bit showing. Now, now folks, not many people that are, become the wonderful age of 70 decide to start their tattooing <laughs> and career. And it's a huge tattoo. <laughs> and if you go on uh, KDRT Facebook, uh, Una Chow was really cool today and worked out a nice image. So there's a great image of Peter in the KDRT studio, if you wonder what it looked like out there. It's, and also one of his arm boasting his new colorful right. it's, mint Right. Uh, it's uh, the family seal that uh, okay. I was told my uncle, uh, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, drew and sent to us. But I've since found out that he didn't draw it. It's been in the family for a while, maybe 100 years or so someone else drew it. But he colored it. Okay. So, okay. you know, but anyways. Now, I, if, I, if I recall correctly, there's black sheep. Yes, on yes. The there's a pasteur comes from being <laughs> shepherds. And there is one black sheep in there. And he says, that's our family line. <laughs> so, and All I'm right. proud of being a black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and one that questions and has good good ideas and is creative, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's get, let's go back to your musical soul because okay. that was really the kernel of what we we're trying to do here. And I wanted to find out uh, you brought in another uh, piece of vinyl. Yes, and it's called Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst. Connor Oberst is uh, yeah, he's probably mid thirties by now. I I fell in in love with his music back when he was in his early twenties, and what we're going to play is from then. He introduced me to questioning everything. And he also uh, sings a lot about his angst. He had a lot of angst. He overdid drugs. He, he just didn't fit in society. And, and he just sings it. Lately, he, he's married now and probably has a kid. And he doesn't, he doesn't sing about that so much anymore. But the song I'm going to play is one that uh, I use as my tagline. And that is, uh, 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 and, and here my age is showing up because I forget my... My tagline. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to remember it. Uh, we are nowhere, and it's now. Hmm. Okay. Break apart the word nowhere. Now here. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Uh, and he also, he also said some things, like, especially religious-wise. He said, you know, people today follow a religion. It's like they see a star, and they still follow that star. But they don't realize that the star burned out millions of years ago. We're just seeing the light. There's no star. <laughs> and he talks about religion in that term. And I think it's just wonderful the way he does that. So we're going to play uh, 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 We Are Nowhere and It's Now. And again, it's the lyrics that get me. Right on. I'm going to go ahead and have Peter cue that up and uh, set the needle down. You're listening to The Grapevine here in KDRT at 95.7 and KDRT.org.
that there's no truth And who cares, how come you say it Like you're right Why are you scared to dream of God When it's salvation that you want You see stars that clear have been dead for years But the idea just lives on All right, you're listening to KDRT here at 95.7 and KDRT.org on the Internet, coming at you all around the world. 
Uh, this is The Grapevine, and I'm your host. My name is Rod, and I have a special guest in tonight that you've been listening to for the past hour, Peter Pasteur, who also is a programmer here at The Dirt with his uh, show, Listening Lyrics. And we just heard who, Obrecht? Uh, Connor Oberst, Oberst with okay. Bright Eyes. Okay. Uh, he, he's with several groups and on his own. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Okay. And, and Peter said, you know, there's a country singer background there. I said, that's got to be Emmy Lou. And what, right. a great, what a great counterpoint to that there. Peter, any triumphs in your life that you will be eternally proud of? Well, family, kids, grandkids, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, and 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 without getting too sentimental about it, I am I am very pleased that uh, uh, not only to to spend an hour in this studio to listen to music, but to talk to young people and watch them just shine. And some of them nervous coming in because it's the first time on the radio, and they are so appreciative. When when I walk out of here, I'm always on cloud nine, and I'm very very proud of that. Well, listening lyrics really has a great uh, young based musicians. I mean, it, that's I, I want to say probably at least eighty percent of your your guests are probably thirty and under. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, uh, I'd be know. proud of that too. That's a great show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. yeah. Very and, proud of that. Well, we are about here at KDRT as community, and it is a. It's part of the fabric and the tapestry of our community when it comes to live local music. Yeah, and yeah. and you know what else is amazing? There's thirty, what, thirty five, thirty six producers here. I'm just one, and you're just one, and we do it all on twenty five thousand dollars a year from <laughs> people sending it in, like the listeners. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, folks, it is our annual fund drive. And if you want to hear this kind of programming, the key is is helping us get it. Um, we, we really scratch every year to get to the amount of money that it costs to run a radio station for a year's time. So your help could be uh, greatly appreciated. You got any regrets that you would like to share? With uh, uh, a huge regret has to be that my, my first 20 years in the corporate world was four weeks at home and four weeks away. The four weeks away was fun for a year. Uh, then it became a grind, and that's a huge regret. You look for a date on the calendar more than you probably should. Exactly, yeah. and just being away. And but it, but then again, you know, if it wasn't for that, I don't know what else I'd be doing. You yeah. know, maybe I we couldn't afford the lifestyle we had. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. You got anything on your bucket list that you uh, really are looking forward to? A bucket list, you know. Uh, Jeannie and I are planning something next year that's that's been on my bucket list. Okay, and that have you is, told her about it? Oh, she knows. She's <laughs> all in favor of it, and that is, and and I want to make a production out of it. I want to produce it uh, on the radio while we're doing this. What happens when you drive down Highway 80 and enter West Sacramento as as uh, 80 and Sacramento also becomes 50? You see a sign that says Placerville, so many miles, yeah. uh, Reno, so many miles, and then. Uh, Ocean City, Maryland, Maryland, three thousand one hundred miles, something like that. Jeannie and I are planning to start in West Sacramento and drive the length of Highway Fifty. It goes right; it's basically a two-lane road uh-huh. going right through the heart of the country, through places like like well, the, the Wheatlands and all of that. St. Louis goes right through Cincinnati, passes the White House. Wow. And right into, and like maybe spend a day on the road and then a day either camping or maybe a hotel, but we like sure. to camp and uh, and do that. So what that's a great, really what a great on, trip for where you guys are in your life. That's yeah. really cool. 
Okay, speaking of traveling um, and where you've been and uh, where we stand and sit today in KDRT and where you're going, deep within your being, at the very core of the path that you have traveled and experienced, you've had, where do you call true home, physically and in your soul? Physically, physically, uh, uh, Davis, California is my home. Uh, if people, but everyone in California always asks you where you're from because we're all from somewhere true, primarily, true. Yeah. and I always say Cincinnati because that's that's sort of my my growing up home. Uh, After your arrival from from Holland, yeah. right, right, yeah. and uh, but but the other part of it is your spiritual home has to be with uh, with my wonderful wife. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of house we have when I'm with her, I'm or home. where you are, or where I am, yeah. I'm home. I'm looking forward to some postcards from that trip down 50. Oh, you're going to get them. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad you shared that with us. That's great. Yeah. Jeannie, I hope you're listening out there. So oh, she is. Okay, I've got one last question, then we're going to go out with the song by uh, Jesse Harris that yep. Peter's picked out. Right. And what's the tune that we're going to play? Uh, you're going to hear Black Orchid, and uh, uh, it's by Jesse Harris. And Jesse Harris is a little different. He sings from his soul also, but it's usually about his love life and relationships. Okay. All right, but last but not least, yes. and I've been thinking about this one for a while, since you host a show called Listening Lyrics, right. and you enjoy the words, both print, read, heard, what may be your favorite lyrics in a song? Uh, the one that comes up is, uh, I'm so lonesome I could cry, Hank Williams. That is just a beautiful, beautiful song that, uh, was written by an illiterate, almost an illiterate person, but he has created something that uh, everybody, especially in in uh, singing songwriting, wishes they could capture. And that one line, the I'm, silence of a fallen star oh, across a purple sky. Yeah, and as I sit and wonder where you are, I'm so in lonesome. the train. I in the train. Care. <laughs> good oh, stuff. Good Lord. All right. Well, Peter, it's been wonderful to have you here on the grapevine. Maybe yep. we do this again sometime. Oh, I loved it. Thank you and, so much for having me. I was a little nervous. I didn't know what you were you were planning. Uh, uh, but anyways, it turned out to be a lot of fun. And you can hear uh, Peter's listening lyrics on Friday afternoons. Four and, o'clock next week. It'll be, or this week, it's Noah Bird. Okay. Well, let's take it home then with uh, Jesse Harris. Uh, and this is personally picked as uh, part of Peter's musical soul. Until next time, just remember, if anybody asks you, tell them you heard it on the grapevine. Thank you.
Thank you. 